Uh, there's a performing arts group in New York. Uh, they call themselves Improv Everywhere. And uh, they are just remarkable. Uh, what they do is that their goal is to go around the city and create scenes of chaos and spontaneous joy. Doing all sorts of things like random acts of kindness and just crazy, remarkable things. A couple of stories from them of what they do. There was, uh, they decided they were going to go find a struggling rock band. You know, like a rock band trying to figure it out. And they decide, uh, we're going to go to this concert and we're going to make their concert the best gig ever. So there's about 40 people in this group, and they learn all this band's songs. They, they, they make t-shirts that have the band's name on it, and they, they show up to a gig. It's, it's a Sunday night gig at 10 p.m., which is not an ideal time for a rock band. They show up. There are five other people who came to watch this concert. Like, so they bring 40 people. They show up at the concert. They start singing along with this. The, the, they sing along with the songs. They're dancing. They ask for an encore Literally, they gave this band the best night ever for a struggling rock band. I love it. It's like such joy and kindness that comes out of that. Another time, uh, this group, they rallied at the JFK airport. They show up at the airport, and they got welcome home signs, and they bring flowers and chocolate and like all sorts of stuff, and they just start welcoming people back to, to JFK. And people are like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, they're kind of like, this is pretty cool. It feels pretty nice to be welcomed back and have these random acts of kindness. It spoke volumes to those people who received those welcomes back to New York. You know, what I find so fascinating about this group is what, what makes them so surprising is because kindness is just not common in our day and age, right? Kindness is not our natural tendency. It's not our natural instinct. Naturally, what are we? We are self-absorbed. We are consumed with ourself, me and my, and my agenda and my everything else. In fact, we are so self-absorbed that uh, they have to come up with random acts of kindness day to remind us to go and be kind. Because we naturally don't think of others, we think of ourselves. In fact, uh, thinking about this, uh, if you are from the previous uh, generation. You're, you're born in the 1900s. My kids are surprised in that. You're born in the 1900s. See, back in the 1900s, uh, before there was Netflix, you actually had to go to a place called Blockbuster to rent a movie. You guys remember Blockbuster? You had to get a membership card. You'd go, they'd have all the movies, and you had to rent a movie and physically take it back to your house and put it in the VCR. Now, this is even crazy for you kids, you youngins. Like, like before there was streaming and, and DVDs, there was a VHS cassette, and the movie was on this film, on this tape, and you'd push play, and the tape would unwind and play the movie as you're watching it, right? You remember those days for some of us? And then you'd watch the movie, and then you'd hurry and get it back to Blockbuster before you got the $10 late fee, right? Now, because we are a culture that is focused about ourselves, what's good for me, uh, oftentimes we'd forget to rewind the movie for the person who's going to watch it next, right? And so Blockbuster said, hey, we got to do something about this because it really stinks to get this movie and put it in and you realize I can't watch it. I have to rewind it first. And so what Blockbuster did is they came up with these, uh, these stickers and these movie boxes that said, be kind, please rewind. See, what a simple thing for us to do is to push rewind on the movie, but we are so self-consumed, focused on ourselves and not about others, we actually have to be reminded hey, this is an opportunity for you to be courteous and kind to the next person who's going to rent this 
movie. See, there are, I, there are opportunities like this every day for us to show kindness to other people that so often we miss out on because we're consumed with ourself. We're consumed with our rights and our agenda and our plan and everything else. In fact, this happened to me this week. I missed out on one of those opportunities to show kindness to somebody else. What happened, I was, I was driving down Washington Avenue. I was headed to work. And, and it was Wednesday morning, so there was a little bit of rain that morning. I'm driving down, and there's a lady next to me. And, and I'm like, okay, she's driving the lane next to me. That's fine. And, and then the car in front of her decides they're going to turn onto one of the side streets. And she's like, well, I don't want to slow down. So she starts changing lanes when I'm right next to her. Now, because I'm a good driver. At least I tell my wife that. She doesn't always agree. But I'm a good driver. So I swerve into the turn lane, and I'm laying on my horn so she sees me. And she doesn't hit me. That's good. I was able to avoid it. Listen, have you ever been that lady where you're just driving and maybe your head's not there, you're thinking about something else? Or, or maybe you're like in a rush because you got to get to the bathroom and you're just not focused on anything else? Or maybe you're just having a bad day and you made a bad decision and you swerve into somebody else and you're like, man, I feel so dumb and I feel, oh man, I feel bad. You've been there? I, I know I've been there. So, I'm driving and I get past that lady. I'm like, I'm not going to stay. I'm going to get ahead of her. And as I'm getting ready to pass her, again, by the grace of God, there's no accident. There's nothing wrong with my car. Everything is fine. I had an opportunity recognizing maybe she's having a bad day. I had an opportunity to kind of wave my hand and say, it's okay. You know, it happens. But that's not what I did. I'm driving and I give her the glare. How dare you? How dare you almost hit my car? I miss an opportunity. And then the craziest thing is, as I'm driving to work, I get to work and realize, man, the irony of I'm supposed to preach on kindness this weekend. And this was an opportunity for me to show kindness to this lady that I missed out on because she threatened my car. I almost got in a wreck because of her. It wasn't my fault. It was her fault. And that's where I'm so self-absorbed. I'm going to defend myself and defend my car because she did something wrong. Instead of saying, you know what? The grace of God, nothing happened. Let me just show her a little bit of kindness. This morning, uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 10. We're in this series called The Fruit of the Spirit. And in the fruit of the Spirit, we're, what we're basically saying is that when we are abiding in God, when we're walking in Christ, that there are these, that we begin to look the part of being a Christian. And as we've talked about this, uh, it's less about our morality and our theology and more about our character. That when we are, are, are walking in Jesus, that we begin to reflect the character of Jesus. We begin to show ourselves as being people who are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That these things become evident in our lives. In fact, one of the things I, I think about is if you've been around church a while, People talk about being filled with the Spirit. Oh, being filled with the Spirit. And what they mean oftentimes is we're going to go do miraculous things, right? We're going to go speak in tongues. We're going to perform healings. We're going to do all these things. But when I look at my scripture, I think being filled with the Spirit, what it looks like is to be people that are filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. See, I think God is more concerned with who we are and who we are in becoming and not as much as is what we're doing. So today, we get to talk about kindness. And kindness is a great thing. Kindness, I want to be just clear in what we're talking about when we talk about kindness. Kindness is not an emotion. Kindness, kindness is not a response to a feeling. Kindness is a choice. 
It is a choice that we make to be friendly and generous and considerate to other people. But it goes a little bit deeper than just that. Deeper than being considerate. Kindness, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, is, is, a, choice, is a choice that we give ourselves to others without expecting anything in return. That we give ourselves to other people unconditionally. Which means that we give ourselves to people who are undeserving. We give ourselves to people who are unappreciative. We give ourselves to people who will not return the favor. We give ourselves to people who sideswipe and almost hit your car. That is the, the, the kind of kindness that the fruit of the Spirit talks about. That we would show our kindness to people who don't deserve it. This means that we do show kindness to the lady who cuts us off. We show kindness to the people who might hurt us, who have failed us. It means that we are kind to the people that are hard to be kind to. And that is where the fruit of the Spirit, that is where the idea of kindness becomes challenging. Because we have to be kind to people that it's hard to be kind to. Luke 10, the story of a good Samaritan. If you've been around church very long, you're familiar with this story. If you have not been in church, you're probably familiar with this idea of the Good Samaritan, right? Like, like there are hospitals all throughout our country that are called Good Samaritan hospitals based on this story. Uh, there is a uh, world relief organization uh, called Good Samaritan. In fact, what do you call it when somebody stops to help somebody else out of the goodness of their heart? You call them a Good Samaritan. So we are familiar with this principle. This story that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan is really uh, an, about the kingdom of God. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about, where Jesus is interacting with this religious leader, uh, and he says, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. To be a Christian means you love God and love people, and that's the evidence that you have a relationship with God. That is the, that the loving God and loving people is, is the evidence that you are a Christian, because naturally, we don't do those things on ourselves. Again, naturally, who do we love? We love ourselves. We love ourselves, But when we come into a relationship with Jesus, when we actually are walking with him, when we have a, a relationship with him, he changes our heart and gives us the ability not to love ourselves, but to love God and to love other people. And when we are walking in him, that is when we love God and love others, and that is when we display the fruit of the Spirit. So in this parable, I, I want to narrow in. Narrow in on the story, because in this story of the Good Samaritan, we actually see what goodness looks like. Or, excuse me, we see what kindness looks like. And since that's what we're talking about today, we want to focus and say, what do we learn about kindness from the story of the Good Samaritan? The first thing we learn about kindness is kindness is a result of genuinely loving others. And that is what kindness is. The story starts out in verse 30, where Jesus says there's a man who's probably a Jew. There's a man— on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is a dangerous 17-mile stretch of road. And this man is attacked by robbers. He's stripped, he's beaten, he's left for dead. This is a dire circumstance. And then verse 31, it says, By chance, a priest, which is a religious leader, he's kind of like a pastor of the day, he was traveling on the road, and you got to think, like there's this dying man on the side of the road. It's good news for that man that there's a priest walking by, right? If anybody's going to help the guy, it's going to be the priest, right? But it says the priest saw him and passed by on the other side. Verse 32, a Levite, this is another religious leader. This is kind of like the associate pastor. Again, this is good news. You got a man dying on the side of the road like the priest did to stop, but the, the Levite, the associate pastor, of course he's going to stop and help the man. 
But verse 32 says that when the Levites saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 33, then a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. I want you to notice when you look at those verses, all three of these men, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, they all saw the man on the side of the road. But it's only the Samaritan who had compassion. It was only the Samaritan who showed love and kindness to the man that was hurting. See, there are, there are opportunities all around us to show kindness. There are people around us that are struggling, that, that are hurting. There are ways that if we are paying attention, that we can love and engage and serve and show kindness to people around us. It might be through a physical act that we can do for them. It might be through a financial gift. It might be through our words, uh, kind words. But there are opportunities all around us in our school, in our work, in our family, in our church, to the guy on the street corner. There are opportunities all around us. But too often, we're just not looking for those opportunities. Because what are we looking at? We're like me. We're driving down the road. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at me and my rights and my agenda and my, my schedule and my family and, and my things I've got going on where we're not noticing the people around us. See, I think that's what you see with, with the Levite and the, and the priest and the Samaritan. The Levite and the priest, they're focused on themselves. And so they see the man, but they don't really see him. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was driving to work. Everything happens when I'm driving to work. I don't know why. I'm driving to work and I blew a tire in my car. So I'm pulled over on the side of the road. I'm trying to change my tire. And it's morning. I, I mean, okay, we're Yakima. It's not like we have a ton of traffic. But it was morning traffic, right? So I'm on the side of the road. I'm changing my car. And a lady, a lady comes and pulls over. And she's got a fancy car. And she's got fancy hair. Those are the two things I noticed. Fancy car, fancy hair. She pulls over. She rolls down her window and says, hey, do you need a hand? And I'm like, no, I, I, I got it. But it, it struck me, like her kindness struck me as being surprising. Like, here's a lady with a fancy hair who offered to help. And I'm thinking, how many people drove by that morning and saw me on the side of the road and never stopped, never noticed, never thought, hey, maybe this guy needs help. Yet the, guy, the lady with the fancy hair, she's the one who stopped to show me kindness. See, when we are, generally, when we are a person who generally loves people, I mean, we can claim to love people all we want, but when we generally love people, we aren't focusing on ourselves. We focus on others, and we notice those opportunities. We notice those opportunities for us to be kind, to show love, to help somebody in need. Now, I want to warn us, because sometimes it's easy, especially in church, it's easy for us to judge the priest and the Levite, right? But what I've noticed is the longer I'm a Christian— I've noticed we are quick to, we are, we are more like the priest and the Levite than we are the Samaritan. The longer I'm Christian, we, we as Christians probably look more like the priest and the Levite, right? We just get really good at justifying why we can't help. I mean, that's what we do as Christians. We justify, right? I mean, think about this. Think about the priest and the Levite. Think about all the reasons why they could not stop and help the man and, and legitimate, legitimate reasons, right? I mean, the priest and Levite, they're probably going to church, right? So they probably have a schedule to keep. They have a schedule to keep. And if they don't show up to church on time, man, the people will be mad if church starts late, right? And so there's this matter of they have a schedule and they just didn't have time to stop and help the man. That's a legitimate reason. Maybe, maybe for the priest and the Levite, 
Maybe, maybe there was a fear related to it. There was danger involved. Because on that stretch of road, often what would happen is a gang of robbers, they'd have one, one of their gang would lay and pretend that they're hurt. And as soon as somebody stopped to help them, the rest of the gang would jump out and, and attack the person. So there's a legitimate reason. Well, I don't want to stop because what if something happens to, to me? Legitimate reason. What about, what about inconvenience? See, the priest and Levite, they didn't know if this guy was dead or he was still alive. And in that culture, if you touched a dead person, that you were unclean for seven days, which means you had to go live outside of the city for seven days. Can you imagine having to call your wife and be like, honey, I'm not coming home tonight. I, 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 I got to go camp outside. And she's like, okay, you can't miss work. How are we going to afford that? And you're going to go camp for another week? Come on. Like, can you imagine, like, just the inconvenience of, if he was a dead person, having to suffer the consequences of being inconvenienced in that regard? And then you look, and maybe they're like, well, that man, maybe, maybe he's made some foolish decisions, and that's why he is where he is. And I don't want to enable the man. I don't want to enable his bad decisions. You ever hear some of these excuses in your own mind? What about this? Well, I just need to mind my own business. Just mind my own business. Or maybe, maybe I don't know what to do to help that man. Maybe, well, I don't want to help him because maybe I'll be taken advantage of and he won't be appreciative of what I do for him. See, there's all these legitimate reasons that we could give for the priest and the Levite not helping the guy on the side of the road. But you know the difference is? The difference between the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan is the priest and the Levite, their focus is on themselves. Their focus is on them and their plans and their schedule and their agenda. And the Samaritan, he's willing to love that person dying, sitting on the side of the road. See, the priest, and, the priest and the Levite, they look at the man and say, well, what happens to me if I stop and help him? But the Samaritan says, well, what happens to the man if I don't stop and help him? See, kindness, kindness comes as we generally love other people. Our eyes become open to the opportunities that are all around us. But secondly, Kindness has no stipulations. I mean, kindness would be easy if we're only supposed to be kind to the people we like, the people that are nice and easy. Or, or maybe kindness is easier when we get something in return, right? In fact, as I've done marriage counseling with couples, one of the things you often hear, and typically it's from the wife, but you hear from both sides. The wife will say, well, well he only does nice things. He's only kind to me when he wants something from me. Oftentimes related to, uh, you know, something physical or something financial. Their kindness has stipulations. I'll be kind to you when there's something in it for me. But, in fact, this is the very reason why Jesus tells a story. Because remember, you've got this religious person, this religious leader, and he knows I'm supposed to love God and love my neighbor. And his question to Jesus is, who is my neighbor? Who do I actually have to love? What are my stipulations? He wants to know, who, what is the least amount of love I can give? What are my stipulations? And so Jesus gives this story about a Jew and a Samaritan. Now these are two groups of people who hated one another. They, they hated one another. The story says that when Israel was in captivity in the Old Testament, that there were some of the Jews who disobeyed God, who married some of their captors, and had children with the captors. And this became the Samaritans. So to the Jews... The Samaritans were a reminder of what happened back then. 
And so the Jews viewed the Samaritans as like a half-breed. You're not even a real citizen. You're a half-breed. You're an outcast. We don't like you. In fact, the Jews would pray this prayer. This was a prayer that they'd pray in the temple. They'd pray and say, God, uh, uh, God, would you give us grace? Would you forgive us? But don't forgive them. Don't waste your grace on them. Talking about the Samaritans. So you've got this incredible animosity between these two groups of people. And so here's the Samaritan. He's going around the road and he sees his mortal enemy. He sees his enemy. Again, this is a Samaritan who's been mistreated and maligned. Here's his enemy in a vulnerable position. He has every opportunity to do something. But that doesn't stop the Samaritan from showing kindness. And again, I think we learn from this that kindness has no stipulations. I mean, think, look what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is talking about loving our enemies. And this is what he said. He said, he said, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? He says, verse 33, if you do good to those who, who, who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Sinners, non-Christians, they love those who love them. They do good to those who do good to them. But there's verse 35, Jesus says, love your enemies. Do what is good. Lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great in heaven. Verse 36, be merciful just as God is merciful. This means that our kindness can have no stipulations. That we are to be kind to the deserving and the undeserving alike. We're to be kind to the people that are hard to be kind to. We're to be kind to the person who maybe hurt us, who maybe violated us. Kind of the person who spoke ill of us, who, who let you down, who failed us, who gave us a wrong order at drive-thru, who didn't give us a pumpkin slice latte that we were longing for. We're to be kind to the person who almost sideswiped us on the way to work. We're even to be kind to those who might take advantage of us. Why? Because our love is not focused on ourself. Our love is focused on others. In fact, there's a story by a, a professional golfer by the name of Robert DiVincenzo. He was a professional golfer in the 1900s, the 50s or 60s, maybe in the 70s, something like that. In fact, his claim to fame is he once beat Jack Nicholas, not Jack Nicholas, at the British Open in the peak of Jack Nicholas's success. Funny story. But there's a story goes that this golfer, Robert, he wins a golf tournament and gets a big old winner's check. It's a big old check. He's pretty excited. So he's walking to his car and a lady comes up to him. Lady's like, hey, congratulations. And then she starts kind of getting some tears. And he's like, well, what's wrong? And she goes, well, my, my child, my child is, is sick and they might die. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford the treatment to, to get help for my child. And so Robert's like, man, you know, my heart's kind of breaking for her. I have this compassion. So he takes a pen and he endorses that entire check to this woman. Just gives her the entire check, all of his winnings from that tournament. Well, a week later, one of the PGA Tour officials comes up to him and says, hey, Robert, Robert, hey, I, I heard this. Did you really give your entire check to this lady? He's like, yeah, I did. And the official says, well, I hate to tell you this, but she's a phony. There is no child. She's not even married. You've been taken advantage of. And Robert says, okay, wait, wait you mean there's no dying baby? He says, that's the greatest news I've heard all week. See, that's the kind of, that's the kind of kindness that we as Christians should be known for. See, many of us have never been taken advantage of. 
because our kindness has stipulations. We're only to be kind to the people that are clean, that will return the favor to us, that are easy to be kind to. But I, I think the kindness that God expects from us is the kindness that we're going to be kind to the people who may not be deserving. We'll be kind even when we take advantage of. And many of us, we've never been taken advantage of because we're greedy, because we're selfish, because our love is on ourself and not on other people. So here's Good Samaritan is teaching us that kindness, uh, kindness generally loves people. Kindness has no stipulations. And number three, kindness takes action. See, kindness is actually a verb, which means it requires some sort of action. And the Samaritan, he takes action in the story. He shows us what kindness looks like. Verse 33, he, or verse 34, he opens his hands. The text says that the Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to the man and had compassion on him. And he went and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. See, this is probably the simplest uh, act of kindness is when we just give of ourselves. We can help someone in need. We can help them change a tire. We can help bandage their wounds. We open up our hands. We use what we have. Secondly, we can open up our schedule. Verse 34, it says, The Samaritan set the man on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Which means he actually had to give up his time. What is our most precious commodity? Is it not our time? And here's the Samaritan saying, hey, I've got other things going on. I've got places to be, but I'm going to open up my schedule so I can meet your need and, and be kind to you. The Samaritan also opens up his wallet. Verse 35 says, the next day he gave the innkeeper two denaries, which is the equivalent of two days' wages, a couple hundred dollars. And he says, take care of this man. Whatever else you spend, I'll pay when I come back. Opens up his wallet to be kind. And, and it doesn't say this in the text, but another type of, of kindness, another example of kindness is when we open our mouth with kind words. There is such tremendous power when we use our words to uplift and build other people. In fact, Proverbs chapter 16 says, gracious or kind words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. See, kindness is not just feeling bad for somebody and having compassion for them. Kindness requires us to take action. And often means it's going to be sacrificial. It's going to cost us something. We have to open up our hands. We have to open up our schedule, open up our wallet, open up our mouth. And the Samaritan, you see, he's more concerned with meeting the other man's needs than meeting his own needs. In fact, one of the things I think is so remarkable is when you look at the way that the Samaritan responded, man, he responded in very similar ways to the ways that Jesus responded throughout his lifetime. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is in the middle of a crowd of hungry people that are all wanting his attention. And he hears a man with leprosy. He hears him cry out, Jesus, have compassion on me. And Jesus does. He has compassion on the man. And then his kindness takes action and he heals the man with leprosy. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus, he saw a crowd. He looked out and he saw a crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he took compassion on them and he fed them. It's a miracle of feeding the 5,000. In Luke chapter 7, there's a funeral possession passing by Jesus. And he looks and he sees this widow, the widow whose only son has died. And he's the dead man in the funeral possession. And Jesus has compassion on the woman. He touches the casket and he calls that son up to sit and raises the boy from the dead. Again, Jesus, he saw the need and he took action. 
I'm going to take action. I'm going to do something about it. And that is what it looks like for us to, to be kind. So here's Jesus. Again, here's the story. Jesus is having a conversation about what it looks like to love our neighbor. What does it look, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. And the answer that Jesus gives, especially is invaluable for us as we are having this conversation about the fruit of the Spirit, about what that looks like. And this is what Jesus is teaching us, that kindness puts to action our love for people. Now we can claim we love people. Kindness is when we actually put that love into action. We take steps to be kind, to put it into action. So this is where you kind of have to ask yourself, man, is, is kindness evident in my life? Do I love people enough to notice the opportunities around me that I can be kind, that I can meet their needs? Or are we more concerned with ourselves and our desires and our agenda and our plan that we become blind to the opportunities around us to show kindness? Are we extending kindness to people that are difficult to be kind to? This is where it gets challenging. Because sometimes the most powerful thing that we can do with kindness is to give it to people who are undeserving. The person who lets you down. Again, they let us down. We want to let them have it. You almost sideswiped my car. But the opportunity for kindness can be so powerful in that moment. And then are we putting kindness into action? You ever heard that quote? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. We all have intentions. Oh, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to help somebody out. And I may have compassion for somebody. But do we actually act on it? Again, think about your school. Think about your family. Think about your workplace. Think about our community. Think about our church. There are opportunities every day, multiple times for us to show kindness. Are we noticing them? Are we willing to be kind when there's nothing in it for us? Are we actually taking action on this? Now, can I let you in on a little secret here? It's a little secret here on this idea of kindness. In fact, I don't... I, it may not be a secret to you anymore because we've talked about this several times. But the key to the fruit of the Spirit is not about you going and trying really hard to be kind this week. The key to the fruit of the Spirit is not trying hard. It's about experiencing the kindness of God. Because my ability, my ability to be kind is a result of God's kindness towards me. That I become a funnel. That as God is kind to me and as I receive that kindness, that kindness then flows out of me to the people around me. See, Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, here's, what, here's the way it works. You and I, we are undeserving of the grace of God. We don't deserve it. We constantly turn away from God. God says, hey, this is all I've given for you. Here's all I'm going to do for you. And here's what I want you to do. And we're like, that's great, God, but I want to do things my own way. Every one of us, we constantly turn away from God. I did it this week. I did it this week multiple times. We are so undeserving. But despite that, Christ still chose to be kind to us. He still chose to go to the cross. He still chose to take your sin upon himself. He chose to suffer and die in your place and then to rise from the grave so that we could be forgiven 
so we could have a restored relationship with God, so we could experience restoration in our lives, restoration in our families, restoration in our marriages, restoration in our community. Restoration is possible because of the kindness of God. In fact, Romans chapter 2 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the fact that God has been gracious to us that leads us to want to, to follow him. What is the kindness that God has given to you? What are the blessings in your life that God has bestowed to you? Because as you experience his kindness, and as you experience that, that is where his kindness then flows through you to those people around us, that we are that funnel. That we don't become a person of, of kindness because we try harder. We become a person of kindness because we recognize the kindness that God has given to us. And you know what happens? You know what happens? When we rest in the kindness of God, we experience his kindness. Now, we don't have to become an improv group to go around and do these things because kindness flows through us and it is so tremendously powerful when we become a people that are known for kindness. It has tremendous power to change the world around us. In fact, a couple years ago, uh, Sam and I had the chance to, to go watch Les Miserables, that play. Hey, listen, if you want to be cultured, uh, it's, the S is silent. It's Les Miserables, not Les Miserables. I learned this just trying to give you a little bit of uh, culture. Uh, Sam and I had the chance to go to a church planting conference in England a couple years ago, and we got to spend a couple days in London, and it was great. And we got to go to the Queen's Theater to watch Les Miserables. We didn't see the Queen. I looked for her. She wasn't there. Uh, but we got to go and watch this play. And I'll be honest, it was great. But I got done with the play, and I'm like, I don't even know what happened here. So I went back, and I, I kind of read all about Les Miserables. And you know it's partly based off a true story? It's fascinating. And the story becomes such a picture of what it looks like of the power of kindness. See, the story goes that the, uh, the lead character is uh, Jean Valjean, who has been released from 19 years of hard labor in a chain gang. And what was his crime? He stole a loaf of bread because he was starving. He got sentenced to 19 years of hard labor. He gets released, and because he's been a felon, because he's got this background— Nobody will be kind to him. Nobody will help him. Nobody will feed him. Nobody will give him a job. No one will give him a place to stay. He's pretty destitute. Until the bishop of the town of Vignier, the bishop, the pastor, he takes compassion on him, takes him into his house, and treats him as his, as his own. It's a beautiful story. Until Valjean, again, he's got this bitterness. He's a little bit hardened because of all those years uh, on the chain gang. And one night he decides, I'm going to steal the silver. I'm going to steal the silver from the bishop, and I'm going to take off and sell it and live my life. Well, he gets caught by the police. And the police bring him back to the bishop. And, 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 and they bring him back for questioning. And the bishop looks, and he's kind of surprised. He's like, what, what silver are you talking about? That silver belongs to him. It belongs to Valjean. In fact, he goes and he grabs, he grabs the, the silver candlestick and he said, you know what? He, he forgot these too when he left him and totally gives kindness to this man and lets him off. And the police are like, well, there's nothing we can do. So they release Valjean. And when the bishop and Valjean are alone, the bishop says this. He says, I bought your soul from the devil 
tonight I've given it to God. And that single act of kindness changes Valjean forever. It changes him. Where instead of being selfish and focusing on himself, he starts giving himself away for the town and for the community. Eventually, he becomes the mayor of the town. Imagine, imagine what God could do if we as a church became known for our kindness. Imagine what God could do if we as people were known for our kindness, that we generally loved people. We generally loved others more than we loved ourselves. We, we loved people in ways that there was no stipulations about what's in it for me. We took action and we opened up our hands, we opened up our schedule, we opened up our wallets, we opened our mouth to show kindness to the people around us. Listen, I don't know if we would change the world, but my guess is if we were known for our kindness, we may not change the world, but I bet we would change our families. I bet we would change our school. I bet we would change our workplace. I bet we could change our community. I bet God would use it to build the kingdom of God, to draw more people into a relationship with Him. If we were known for that kind of kindness, that's my challenge to us today, is that we would lean into the kindness of God, to all that God has done for us, and as we experience his kindness, that we allow that kindness to flow through us, the people around us. That we allow our love for other people to be rooted in action.